Hello, welcome to the D-Program Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dexter Kearley. My uh, lovely wife, co-host, uh, Shannon Kearley, is, uh, she's actually in the other room right now. She's been glaring at me through the walls because I'm taking up the office while she works on uh, on Christmas calendars for the uh, for the in-laws. I don't, ooh, I don't know if I can say that because this will come out before Christmas, but None of them listen to my podcast, so I think we're okay. I don't think I spilled the beans because I don't think they're ever going to hear it. Uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for clicking the link, uh, clicking the uh, the notification that you got a new podcast. It really does mean a lot to me, and uh, we're we Shannon and I are going to be far more intentional in this next year. Uh, her school has ended. Uh, finally, so she uh, has her master's in linguistics. Uh, actually, tomorrow we're going to Lubbock for her to to walk across the the college stage. So that'll be pretty cool. Anyway, um, we uh, we're wanting to be far more intentional in 2023 and getting out more consistent episodes like this, as well as we're like playing around with the idea of doing some. Uh, some uh episode like some episodes over shows for like kind of like the stranger things podcast but a little bit more uh specific with uh we're i think the first one we're probably gonna do is mr robot because that's shannon's favorite show and we've got a few friends that we've turned on to that show that have all like been in love with it too so hopefully we'll have some guests for do some guest spots on uh on it. it i think it'll be a lot of fun Uh, Anyway, uh, one of the things that I was thinking about today, I was editing the podcast, which uh, it's very lightly edited today because as I was listening to it, some of the uh, faux pas or, you know, the uh, misspeaking is kind of uh, endearing in a sense. I don't want to polish the thing up so much to where you take out because it it truly is, you know, we prepare for the episodes, but it really is a... um, conversation and so i didn't really want to take that element of it out uh and it just sounded mostly good but while i was editing it quote unquote i was also working on uh this technique called squaring the circle which was another thing that was driving my wife crazy because we're rapidly approaching um christmas and there's a lot of stuff to do and here i am just sitting here listening to my computer and drawing circles on paper but one of the things that's cool about it is it's all it's all based off of proportions. You're supposed to be able to take a compass and a ruler and create uh, a circle and a square that have the same radius or not radius, but uh, like volume, I guess. Uh, it technically is impossible to do because pi is an, an an imaginary or not not an imaginary number, but just a. Uh, it goes on forever, you know, indeterminate maybe. Uh, but while I was working on it, you know, I'm playing a bunch, you know, with the compass. I'm throwing all these arcs. And uh, we've had unseasonably warm weather down here in Stephenville. So it doesn't really feel like winter yet, although I think it's coming. But I was just thinking of the arc of winter because I know we just like recently entered into like the first day of winter. And, you know, so you have this arc of it's like, okay, everything's dying you know everything's it's getting too cold it's killing a lot of the plants they're going dormant and then at like the peak of that is when it starts to get warmer it starts to go the other direction right so as when you feel like you're as far away 
as possible. You know, the sun drops as low as it's going to drop in the sky. Uh, then it starts making this, you know, traveling this path the opposite direction, you know. So this, it's just that arc concept was really hitting me hard while I, while I was uh, editing this. And I just wanted to make a quick mention of it. Today, that's not completely off topic because today we are talking about metrics in the show. Uh, I kind of did like a little subtitle of measuring the immeasurable because metrics is uh, often associated with a direct uh, physical observation. So like with a ruler or, you know, something, uh, data or, you know, weight, you know, you get this metric. Uh, man, there's a helicopter flying pretty low over our place right now. It looks... I don't know. I wonder if they're hunting hogs with that thing or spotting them. Uh, pretty cool. Anyway, um, so this this approaches metrics in a slightly more abstract way, as I'm sure if you've listened to like the Zero episode and others, you're probably used to. Uh, this one, however, is a little bit more of a seeks to be able to implement the thought. You know, so I take we take the concept of metrics and we uh, imagine how we can use it or or imagine it, I guess. But anyway, uh, I got some links down in the show notes. If you'll jump down there and check them out, like I've got a link that's going to be to um, Strava to follow me and Shannon, uh, a link to Cosmographia, which is a podcast I've been listening a lot to, a student named Randall Carlson. It's uh, super cool, super cool uh, podcast. And then uh, I'll also have a link down there to the book, The Alchemist, which I feel like does get quite a bit of flack. I think we talk about it a little bit in the episode. Maybe just, you know, it's, uh, maybe maybe we talked, I don't know. Uh, I can't, sometimes the conversations run together, but I'm pretty sure that we, I know we talk about it in this episode, but that's kind of a fun book, uh, almost an intro to theory, uh, book you can read. And so anyway, uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Like I said, uh, earlier, you know, you can follow us on social media. Uh, you can also share the show. That would be cool. Um, all that stuff, you know. It will help the podcast grow. As But, like I said, this next year we're planning on really ramping up the podcast. So, if this is uh, content that you enjoy, it's like, what do you want this show to be? Or what do you like the most about the show? Uh, I used to joke whenever it was the podcast, uh, the Painting on Primate podcast, I would have friends listen to it. Uh, mostly just because they were being good friends and caring about me or whatever. And they would listen to the whole two hours and they would say, man, there was like a five minute section in there that was gold. It was like exactly what I was wanting and uh, it, you know, it, it's what your show should be. But out of two hours, I'd have five minutes. Uh, I would like to figure out a way of mining that five minutes and creating more content like that. You know, the stuff that people enjoy and people want and people We'll tune in to listen to. Uh, some of that's going to require a little bit of feedback. So if you could give me feedback, that'd be uh, that'd be badass. It'd be super helpful. Uh, anyway, I uh, I appreciate your time and your uh, your attention in a uh, ever in a world that demands attention more and more often. 
thank you for giving me a little bit. Uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy the show, and until next time, peace. What gives you the right? Well, I am a ticking time bomb of fury. This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. Let's see it. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? So stop melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. I'm the best chance you've got. All right, you ready? Sure. Okay, so today's episode is, I guess, kind of in the same vein as the Zero episode. Uh, This one's a little bit more broad and just specifically speaking of metrics, uh, ways of measuring different things, right? So a metric is a standardized measurement that's applied to every everything equally, right? I guess it's supposed to be a scientific uh, endeavor, which means it's supposed to be equally applied. Uh, and really what got me thinking about this specifically, and I remember I've talked to you, to you about it several times, um, is my screen time. So at the end of each week, my I guess it's Sunday, my iPhone gives me an update. And That's it's, probably every iPhone, right? I think it's every iPhone, but my phone just started doing it for me, right? I don't know if it was part of an update or what, you know, but it's just, uh, I guess Apple thought, wow, this would be something that most people probably would want to know about themselves, right? <laughs> and so... False. It, well, false, right? My, my screen time, I think just like everybody's screen time, went through the roof after 2020. I mean, being on lockdown, you know, and... Just the amount of information that you can get in a very short amount of time through uh, apps like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, anytime something happened, a riot broke out or something, I'd hop on Twitter just to see like what's coming in, what's going on, you know, it got really bad. Anyway, I had some numbers, uh, you know, it started posting some numbers that were very concerning to me, right? I mean, it's like, Numbers where you're like, that's the majority of my day is spent like looking at my phone, you know? And so it really got me thinking and and now it gives you like a relative number. So like mine will say, you know, your screen time this week is down an hour from last week, average per day, you know, or it's up, you know, it's all relative now. But do you have anything to say about screen Uh, time? No, not really. So it kind of scared me a little bit. It was a metric that whenever I saw it, it caused alarm, right? I was started thinking, what is it that I'm missing? Um, but this just got me thinking about metrics, uh, in general and how a lot of these metrics will like overlap. So for instance, one of the, uh, apps that I use on my phone quite regularly is uh, Strava, which is a running app. And it's kind of like a social media for running. So if you are a runner out there, you should follow me and Shannon on it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do a link in the link in the description. <laughs> it's funny because my first thought is like, or don't. Or like, don't I don't know right. if I want people to see what I'm doing. Well, why? 
I guess because then I have to compare myself to someone. Like if, if I see what they're doing and they see what I'm doing, I feel perfectly happy with what I'm doing when it's in a bubble. In a vacuum? Yeah. But then the minute I see everyone else's, of course, like you can't, it's just natural to kind of say, oh, well, if they're doing that. You can't help you know. but compare metrics. Yeah. Uh, pretty fun. Um, I, I mentioned last episode that you got third in a Spartan race. In my age, age group. In your age group. <laughs> Uh, fair enough, but what I thought was cool is in that um, everybody was running off of time, right? So it was a certain number of obstacles, and then it was just based off of who comes in the fastest. So the metric that was really being selected for in that scenario was time. And so I guess that's part of what I was wanting to talk about is a metric is showing what you're selecting for. Right. So with Strava, what's cool, what I actually like is uh, maybe going more off of how many activities you upload versus how many miles are in each of those activities or what the pace of your runs is in that activity. Right. So if you know I'm consistently uploading four to five runs a week, that consistency is better than me saying, hey, I uploaded one run. But it was a run that was eight miles, right? Just kind of an interesting way of looking at it, right? Where you can you can start to project how other people are going to read the metrics prior to them being presented the metrics. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you're right. I mean, everybody, the first thing you're going to look at is distance and uh, average pace. Probably. I think it's natural. I mean, even if you don't, because I usually don't, I don't really care. Because everyone's just out running, and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, when they're next to each other, of course, you're, go you're going to do that. Right. You can't help but do that, really. Well, and then, and I don't know, you can tell me if this is completely missing what you're saying, but I've been thinking about it a lot, too, just with doing another Spartan. And, like, you're wanting to do a half marathon. We're both wanting to do a half marathon in February. So, between... Uh, Spartan between half marathon and then just like on Instagram you see all these fitness girls which is all very much weight training right now like the trendy thing is weight training mm -hmm. those are all three very different types of workouts very different so what I'm wanting to do very much determines what workout I should be doing if I'm trying to do a half marathon that is one type of workout if I'm trying to win a Spartan race that's another type and if I'm just wanting to look good on Instagram that is another type right you know it's just kind of funny it's like Again, which metric are you selecting for? It's almost like you can't have everything. Yeah, I mean, there is obviously overlap there. But if all I did was lift weights all day long, and then I try to go run really fast in the Spartan race, there's, I mean, so that's you have to train for that. That's actually kind of part of, like, what I am trying to get at with this, is the fact, is the fact that um, you can judge your success based off of what metric you're selecting for. Yeah. Right? And so it's kind of like if if you're saying, hey, I actually just want to make sure that whenever I'm an old person, I can get up off the floor, you know? It doesn't maybe necessarily matter specifically which one you're doing, just that you're doing something, yeah. you know? If your overall goal is just to be healthy and move your body, then just go out and move your body. But you're right. If you're trying to put up a quote-unquote fast time or a PR, you know, your best time in a race, 
then you're going to have to be very intentional in training for that specific goal. Because well, if you do anything else, it might actually hurt your... I see that all the time. Well, I say all the time. I've only done two Spartan races. <laughs> I've seen it in both Spartan races with big, strong men. Right. And I know you've seen it too. Oh, 100%. Where they're obviously strong. They're obviously right. talented at what they do. And then they get up to do some monkey bars and they just fall. Well, like um, that, that they're not trained for that. I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast before, but one of the, um, it's not an adage, uh, trope, something that always was true whenever I used to hang out in the climbing gym back in the day was like, since climbing gym is everybody's like, man, I want to climb, you know? So you get a lot of. Uh, couples that co- would come in for like their little date afternoon or whatever, just something fun to do. And what was always awesome was seeing like an attractive couple, right? So like a normal looking dude who's of moderate athletic shape in a uh, attractive looking woman who's of uh, athletic build. Not necessarily saying that she's like jacked or, you know, like crazy, but you know, just a, Hey, these are two, quote-unquote, in-shape people. Almost every single time, the girl would outclimb the guy. She would do better because she was lighter. So relatively, you know, her strength-to-weight ratio was higher, even though the guy's strength-to, you know, strength-to-strength, the guy was higher. But hers was strength-to-weight, and it put her in that top spot. Well, and I think there's more to that, too, because I think women don't have that pure strength to rely on, so mm-hmm. they have to be smarter. Well, and typically they're way more flexible, so they can actually, instead of having to pull with their arms, they actually can lift their legs up high enough, whereas most most guys' hips are locked, you know? like uh, it's It's just really interesting, and it was always really funny to watch because I knew it was coming. So I would see them checking in at the front desk and it was like, oh, okay, here we go. You know, cause the guy would always be pretty good, but the girl would just like, she just moved through it differently. So much differently, save a lot of energy, use a lot less energy. And, and typically they, they would end up, we, I saw a whole lot of couples that came in like that their first time and then they would just start coming because it was something that they genuinely could do together. It um, it flattened the field. Versus, like you were saying, uh, that chick in the Spartan race. Do you remember her name? Which one? Then the one who got mom, first? Yeah. Her first, I th- uh, I'm pretty sure it's Alexandra Walker. Alexandria, Alexandra. Alexandra, I'm not sure exactly which, but Walker. Because you were saying something... Um, she got top female spot. Right? She won the, I don't know if she did the beast. I don't know which exact race, but she won first in that. And then the next day she ran the sprint and won the sprint right. as well. So, so back to back race. She's she a monster. Won. But she was talking about like her 16 year old son. Yeah. And like literally just cause it's a 16 year old boy. Like now they're competing on. They're racing together. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you were also saying something about the, the, um, obstacles, right? Well, like, yeah, I, what I noticed this time was that during the sprint, the obstacles were much different than the obstacles in the super. So between a 10K and a 5K. And see, I had done the super. Yeah. So the 10K had a lot more, just because there's more obstacles, they were a lot more technical. Right. Which I could do. I can do the technical obstacles. Right. 
And so I felt like that gave me an advantage. Whereas in the sprint, they were just a lot of strength based mm-hmm. obstacles. So even though I could do most of them, I can't do them fast. I mean, it's just a pure strength game. Right. And so at that point, you just need to be strong. That's it. Like I mean, not not that that's it, but it's almost like um, it's almost like a horsepower thing. Yeah, I feel like you could almost have different winners for both. I mean, right. that 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 one girl won both is impressive because that is impressive. They require different things from you. Mm-hmm. So I just thought I I didn't know that going into it. I was waiting for those technical obstacles to where I could gain an advantage. And then each one was like lifting heavy objects, which like, makes well, sense. Geez. Which makes sense if you're going to shorten the distance. That's one way you can make it harder, you know. Yeah. But I I like I like that example because it's a metric, right? It's like everybody knows whenever I show up, it's kind of this it's this range of what it's going to be and then the metric that we're going to be selecting for is time, how fast you can do it or how much fun you have. That's what I really enjoy about the Spartan race is that they do the elites and then they do competitive age groups. And then they just start doing waves. Just yeah, non-competitive. And it's just non-competitive. And part. and all those people, uh, it was really cool how they had this one set up because the first like three obstacles were right next to the um, observing, like so you could like watch people. Yeah, they were part of the part of the the event. edge, yeah. the edge wall, and so everyone can watch you. <laughs> and so what was really fun is as we were getting ready to leave, I was watching the people who were racing. Right by this time, it was like noon, and you had raced it. I raced at, at eight thirty, eight thirty, eight fifteen, eight fifteen, yeah. whatever. And they were having so much fun, you know. And what I thought was really cool about that was the metric that they were selecting for was not speed; it was fun. Yeah, I saw a lot of people show up in groups. Mm-hmm. Like I think I saw a bachelorette party. I think I saw some birthday parties. Right, and they're just showing up with their friends just to do it. And they were having a. And great I'm always time. really jealous of that. I know, me too. <laughs> I was like looking at it, and I was like, "Wow!" Like, you know, my family. So, like, the one we did in what what month was that? April. In April, we did the Austin one, mm-hmm. and it was so funny because my family they select for speed. They select for competition. We're all a little competitive. I mean, they're super competitive. They're super competitive. I think we're competitive. Yeah, we're competitive. And so we all show up to go do it together, but none of us ran together. We all were racing, you know, and so nobody stayed with anybody, which we were all kind of in different corrals, except for me and Lance, but he's way faster than me. So, But it was funny because, like, our group, my family, uh, selected for speed over fun. It's fun when you win. <laughs> yeah, and so it, yeah, it's a very it's a very different metric that we're measuring success of the trip by. Which, granted, we did have a whole lot of fun. Like yeah. The uh, our campground that we were staying in had that lake, and at the end of the lake was a, a swimming hole called like Devil's Hole. Sure. Wasn't it? It was something like something that. like that. And uh, it had this big cliff jump there, and so I ended up doing the highest cliff jump on. I it. couldn't watch. It was pretty scary. <laughs> But there was this uh, chick from France that was there, and she was jumping it. And like when she did it, I was kind of like, "Oh, come on, dude! You can't let a like a nineteen year old girl from France, like you know, uh, beat you." Oh, just a second. What heck? What the heck? Did our recording stop? No, but still going. Okay. The computer just freaked out. Shannon's 
school stuff. So lame. But anyway, that was really fun. Uh, that was that's an interesting metric, uh, fear because you jumped off of the what twenty foot high probably. I don't know how tall it was. I just dropped, jumped off the standard one that everyone else was jumping. Yeah, off the standard. Of. I did one. not go up to the higher one. But no it was way. amazing, like even stepping up to that height. But you're jumping into water. Everybody else is jumping. Like it's obviously it's fine. obviously pretty safe. And we actually had a couple of boats and like some floaties. So if you if you were in distress, you know, like there was options of people to help you. Uh, but even stepping up to that edge, like that feeling, you know, you kind of get in your stomach of like, you know, like okay, I'm gonna do, it. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. You know, I'm not gonna, I I can do this. And you almost have to like force yourself over that hump. You know, that hump is very fun. I like that, like getting over it. Anyway, that was a little slight tangent. Uh, a couple of other interesting ones. I'm going to run through these pretty quick, and then we're going to get to one that I think you're going to spend a little bit of time on. The uh, odometer uh, on the automobile, on our cars. Uh, since we moved out to the country, we're putting a lot more miles. <laughs> we drive so And much. a lot more hours in, because everything's a drive. People like in Amarillo don't know. Yeah, they don't know. What, yeah, you know, any actually I would, well, I don't know. It's interesting because... You know, somebody in an urban environment might put as much time in the car, but their odometer might read very differently because they spend a lot more time stuck in traffic. Yeah, or that's true. Traffic. So that's an in- that would be an interesting side by side to see, like rural communities, uh, how many miles to time, as opposed to you know urban environments as to you know anyway traffic, you know time to to miles, but. Also, another fun one is the scale. Uh, looking at just specifically how much you weigh, uh, I've always been a little bit obsessed with it. Probably, well, through wrestling in high school, you literally weigh yourself like every day. And then once I became a rock climber, I was always on the heavier side. I, I've always been on the heavier side of all the activities I've tried to produce or participate with. For instance, my cousin Lance, who we were talking about. Earlier, I climbed a lot with him. He weighed 150. I typically weighed 170. I think now I'm at like 190. You're just thick. I'm a little thicker. I'm a little thicker of a dude. Well, I mean, you you were literally built different than him. Oh, I I know. I know. We're completely different body types, but it's still whenever your metric that you're selecting for is dependent upon how much you weigh, which is true. Like me and Lance, we're both grabbing the same hold. So the amount of contact you have with the wall is limited by the size of the hold. Well, the more weight that I'm putting onto that same amount of space, you know. Anyway, so I was always kind of obsessed with scale. I think uh, probably most of the women listening to this uh, probably, you know, have a negative uh, connotation around scale and weight. I've seen a huge shift. Well, because there's so much uh, social, or there used to be so much social condemnation. Oh, uh, how much you weighed. It was the goal to be skinny, which I do. I mean, again, I think that is still obviously a metric that many women are, what's the word I'm looking for? Not just that they pay attention to, but like they are kind of. Like sensitive to it. Yeah. It's almost a. it almost it's almost placed upon them. Yeah, and it almost has like a almost like more of an emotional hit like at you than just uh 
than just a, a non-aggressive metric, you know? Like, for instance, me, whenever I looked at the weight, I didn't attach any personal value to it. Oh, yeah, and for a woman, I mean... Like, I attached, I attached how many pull-ups can I do to how much I weigh, right? Yeah. In reality, my ego or, like, my self-worth wasn't taking a hit. Whereas I think sometimes, uh, and I'm this, of course... I'm a man, so I can't really project this. But I think with women, one of the hard things is that there can be so much like attached to it. There like, is. I mean, there, or there is. is. There is a lot attached to it. That Look at marketing in the 2000s. Oh, 100%. It's all about being skinny but and see, dieting. And, those, and, and those girls those, typically... Those stick models, well, you that, know? Those girls looked anorexic and um, like almost like they had a drug problem. I mean, the modeling industry... Did. I mean, I guess I don't know how it is now. It was known for that. Maybe things have changed. Who knows? But see, I think what's funny is... They're not known for their health. It's like as much has changed, how much things just always stay the same. So there's... uh, I know I I talked about climbing, and I guess I can speak to that because I I do know that a lot of girl climbers, female climbers, have come out and said like, hey, I have or had an eating problem because I wanted to climb harder but then they're a female in this world, and so their body's constantly being judged from like some sort of a consumeristic type uh, mentality or whatever. So then they attach, they have a goal that they're working towards, but it negatively impacts their body image. So they were saying how unhealthy that was for them, yeah. you know? And I but can see that. I do see a shift. I think it's slow, but I think it's happening where girls are trying to not just be skinny, but be healthy. Well, and that's, I think, one of the one of the most, you were really good about this for me, um, because there was a lot of times wherever I, I would kind of start to get in a little bit, not really an unhealthy, like I said, for ego, but, uh, you know, you've got to do what you're good at, and everybody, like, I'm not a seven foot tall basketball player. Yeah. Right? If I were a seven foot tall basketball player, I should play basketball because it, it selects for it, the metric that it selects for you already have. Yeah. And then, so I was trying to be this like rock climber, you know, when in reality, the metric that I had was probably more, uh, in the CrossFit direction. I mean, you know? and I think, but I was a good climber. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think you I can fun. still rock climb. And I had a whole lot of fun. It's just trying to get to that elite level. You know? Well, and it's just, yeah, you, if you ever got yourself to 150 pounds, that would be unhealthy for you. Oh, so unhealthy. Like, that would not be good for you, Mm-mm. you know? Uh, so, uh, which is, so we're talking about scale, and I think that we're going to talk about it in a little bit later, but uh, in regards to health, right? You know, like, do you measure, is the metric you're measuring your health? Anyway, money, I think that goes without saying, as a metric of, of uh, you know of uh measurement it's like how much is your time worth i know you said that you know you've gotten involved in some of these uh these financial communities and that a lot of them say that they're like it's my time my time is the most valuable yeah if you're still trading your time for x amount of dollars then you are limited by what you can make right yeah because you only have so much time yeah and it's a commodity almost like that you're selling off that now you don't get to use it. Because yeah. And I actually think we talked about this in the zero episode, but a lot of people in the financial world 
the goal, their metric of success is not just to look fancy. You know, it's to right. actually gain back their time. It's the one thing that you literally cannot buy is your time. And most of us have to go work a job for just to live. Mm-hmm. So to be truly rich would be to get your time. Right. You know? To be free. Yeah. In that sense. So money is an interesting metric. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the one that I think that you're probably going to have a little bit to say over. So um, the metric of social status. And I wanted to specifically allow you to uh, to project or uh, to rant on uh, grammar in this sense, right? Because I, I know pop culture in America has always had this uh, division that's based around grammar. I mean, I think to Grapes of Wrath and how John Steinbeck wrote the dialogue for the jo- the Jode family. He you he wrote in the the dialect, right? So you when you're reading it, it says like yeller or you know, instead of yellow. And like he had all those things built into it. But what was cool is he would have it change based off of who was talking. So when there were rich people talking or educated people, they spoke one way, and then the the town people, and it was just an interesting social divide. Which is true. I mean, which does reflect real life. Right. You know, I mean, he didn't just make that up. Well, no, no, that's what I was saying was so interesting, is, you know, I know you've talked about it a lot in regards to, like, post-colonialism, where you have these different dialects... And it's based off of the dialect is exactly like what your status is within the society. Well, and I think, oh, okay, first of all, I mean, there's so many things that could be said about this topic because society is just, you know, like a minefield to discuss, you know. But I think what is interesting with talking about anything within society, grammar included, versus speaking about a Spartan race, is that one is a metric um, like a necessary metric, right? Like if I want to win, I need to get fast. That I mean, that that's not made Arbitrary. up. Yeah, that is just legitimate. In society, they're almost completely all arbitrary metrics, right? So if I want to get a job interview, I need to speak a certain dialect. Mm-hmm. And that is purely arbitrary. And I always, you know this, like I hate to make comments like that without giving a lot of context or backing it up because I don't want people to think I'm just saying that. Like, go literally ask any linguist, if you know any linguist, look it up. I mean, any linguist agrees that all dialects are grammatically equal. It just is. It's flat. So all dialects, all varieties, all languages are grammatically equal. They are all created equal. Now how we place them in our society is arbitrary. Yes. But is based on social status. Which is probably equated in some different metric. I mean. Such as like money. Well, and I mean, if, I mean, okay, let's just look in America right now, right? If we look at standard American English, which is typically the desired dialect, it's the one taught in schools, it is the dialect of the upper middle class. So in a sense, Uh, the metric that is being selected. Well, would be standard American English. Yes. And then if you look at African American English, 
It is a stigmatized variety. It ranks really low on the accepted dialects, right? Like most people don't even consider it a legitimate dialect. That tells you what people think about it. And I mean, I have seen quote after quote after quote of people talking about, ooh, like here's one. Because I was just appalled when I was reading it. It was talking about going into a job interview and like what not to do. And it said like, do not bring in that jungle of urban slang. Okay, like, please tell me how you really feel about this, right? right? Even though every linguist has said, it's grammatically fine. Like, there's nothing. It is a legitimate dialect. It's grammatically fine. But we, as a society, have deemed it Mm -hmm. wrong and inferior. So then, I mean, honestly, like, let's just look at it like that. You have African-American English down really low, and you have standard American English at the height, I mean, at the pinnacle. pinnacle. That's completely a race metric. I mean, now it overlaps with class and other things, but let's call it what it is. Right. So, yeah, there are some metrics going on that I don't think people are even aware of. Right. Well, and, and I think that's that's one that's always – or that, that I've gained more and more insight into, with especially with you being a linguist. You know, there's uh, so many times where you almost you – almost frame like I was actually thinking about this the other day in regards to Chi Chi and Chong Chi Chi and Chong the did you ever see any of those movies I mean no but I know but who they are like, but now like I didn't watch movies two like Mexican dudes and they're like vatoed out right they're like me- way Mexican dudes but they're also like super stoner you know um, and at least this was just my interpretation but they seem like like losers right they, and they're funny it's a comedy right so they're playing these characters but they almost look like like losers and they they don't talk proper they speak all this like almost like vatoism like english but it's a real heavy spanish accent they're really funny characters uh but i always thought like how much did that go into forming people's opinion on smoking cannabis or being Mexican or be, you oh, know, yeah. like there's it all definitely of these, they were, they were amongst like the largest icons and that is what they were t- associated with or tied to. Right. So now you have, uh, an individual like your dad who, you know, really the characters in Cheech and Chong and your dad are, are separated by like a vast chasm of like, <laughs> different lifestyle you i mean know? like as far apart as you can get as far as far as you can get um and so like your dad might see that movie and then it's difficult for him to have any opinions because there's all these associations that they make in the movie it's like the pop culture then becomes your interpretation of the re of the real situation yeah and i always wonder that with uh you know, anytime I'm listening to like rap, a lot of the times they're using a different dialect and they're using a different, even a vocabulary set. Mm-hmm. Like they'll say something. I'm trying to think of a good example. I can't think off the top of my head, you know, uh, getting shaded under a money tree, right? Well, you almost need a translator to tell you that shaded means killed, you know, like getting shaded. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I wouldn't know that. Well, and I'm I'm still not 100% sure about that, but <laughs> you know, like 
like there, the word doesn't just, it's almost like you were talking with translation where you actually have to, Oh, you have to interpret. So much goes into one word. Yeah. So this one word where I read it and I'm like, or I hear it, it doesn't mean the same. It doesn't carry the same connotation. So you might look at that and say, wow, how simple, right? They're just rapping about being gangbangers. When then, when once you actually interpret the text, it's it's not glorious like what he's singing about. What oh, singing and it's about. deliberately coded, right? It's deliberately it's it's uh it's uh yeah you're right it's deliberately coded, and so I just always think I think that is an interesting metric, right? That our society has selected for, and I think almost all societies around the world, right? Like this. This same division is true in the Caribbean. It's true in all well, of Well, yeah, Africa. you look at colonialism and right, you can pretty much tell. I'm sure it's true in in like uh, Indo-Asia, you know, that area. I'm sure that there's connotations around. Well, and even, you know, I worked at VIP Kid, which you teach Chinese students English, right? Well, for this company, they wanted specifically American teachers. Because these Chinese students wanted to learn standard American English. Then they learned English at school. Like the Chinese students take English in school. So during school they would learn English and then they'd get home and take American English. Because for them it's not enough to just speak Chinese English. You need to speak like an American. Like standard American English is the pinnacle. Right. So they would take classes even on top of their school classes in order to speak standard American English. So, I mean, yes, like, there is a linguistic hierarchy. Right. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. And, like, it's so weird because, for whatever reason, Chinese... Well, I know there is a specific reason, but, you know, Chinese individuals... In America, I always think, like, okay, they have all the manufacturing. All of our politicians are sold out to them. Like, why are we not learning Chinese? Like, why are they learning? Well, I mean, honestly, it, the way America han- handles language is just at such a deficit. Like, we will be at such a din- disadvantage in the future. When you look at how most countries are multilingual. Mm-hmm. And I mean, um, United States is multilingual. Like, we have millions of Spanish speakers. Oh, yeah. You know, but we just refuse to acknowledge it because right. how dare you, which is just weird. And we would be, weird. it would benefit us to teach our students Spanish. Oh, yeah. You know, like that would be so helpful. And Spanish is like the number one second growing language. Wait, let me rephrase that to make it less confusing. Yeah, what did you just say? <laughs> it is, it is the number one <laughs> second language. It's the second language in the world. Like, it's the second most spoken language in the world. I need to actually look that up now to figure out exactly what I was trying to say. I don't like have it's, me. So, English is the most spoken language in the world. Well, English is most... I'm getting confused. English is now... Is, is being utilized the most. But that's often... You might just need to edit this all out. Because I think I got confused about what I was saying. Okay, Spanish is growing, okay? Spanish is... <laughs> Spanish is the first, fourth, most readily read language in most of the world. Well, I usually have my phone on me so I can just look up the fact real quick. And I just read some. Well, I wrote it in a paper. And I cannot remember exactly. (laughs) Well, because there's a difference between 
a first language and a second language and what's being utilized. So right, a lot right, of right. people around the world don't necessarily speak, speak multiple languages. Well, and so a lot of people around the world don't speak English as their first language. They're speaking it as their second language for business, like transactional like that. language. It's yeah, like a, almost a lingua franca, if you will. <laughs> yes, and so Spanish was growing in that as well, but. Yeah, I don't know. I messed up somewhere in there. Maybe it's the second most uh, intra-language language. So if I speak English and you speak French, uh, we would maybe <laughs> both speak Spanish, and that was the language that we would then converse in. I, I don't know. We'll get back anyway. To that. <laughs> all right, that's a weird. That's a that's a benchmark. That's a metric for weird conversation right there. <laughs> well, that's a disjointed. Trying to make a fact, and I don't have my, I my fact we, check. We need to do better. We need to actually have computers set up. Well, I you like I said, I usually do. I just was not. Yeah, I was you, not prepared. Or you could just have your phone on. Yeah. Jeez. But yeah. Anyways, back to the topic. Okay. So hold on, hold on. Let me just say one thing. Real oh quick. no, continue. Just because I do think the idea is this. Arbitrary standard, arbitrary metric. I and I think language and grammar are one example of it, and I think that there are many, many more. And you know, again, even like with money, just because someone rolls up in a really nice car, we see it as a metric of success, but that is purely arbitrary. They could be in hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and have a nice car. Like we really don't know. We right. don't know what their financial situation looks like. Right. All we see is that they have a nice car. I mean, you could be like those uh, billionaires sitting on top of these con- these uh, you know different corporations that were completely failing. Uh, meanwhile, you take a private jet all the way out to Washington to receive your billions from the government. Yeah. So you know, I think it's they, just they flew private, even though all of those individuals should have been the brokest people in the United States, the ones that were in the most trouble and in the most debt and had an insolvable, uh, insoluble, insoluble, like asset. Like you can't sell a company that's trillions or like a billion dollars in debt. Yeah. I'm thinking of, uh, Elizabeth Holmes. What's the name of the company? You know, she was the one with oh. the, the blood samples. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name of the actual company, but that was that was literally her story. And it's on, she has a documentary or a TV show on Netflix about it. Right. But yeah, I mean, her company it was literally worth nothing. But at, when it started out, it was valued at billions. Right. You know, just kind of so crazy. crazy. Do you have any other thing you want to talk about right there? Um, Not necessarily. I just think it is... It's important to remember that there are real standards and arbitrary standards well, and, and I, not to get the two conflated. I think also uh, tag our um, politically non-binary uh, episode in this because one of the things we talked about in that is how there are some things that are binary that we treat like they're non-binary and then other things that are non-binary that we treat like they're binary, such as... Uh, grammar. Grammar is a non-binary thing. It is neither good nor bad. It is neither It's usually not neither right or, nor wrong. Yeah, it's not correct. It's not incorrect. It is literally just the way people communicate with each other. Well, it's and so this language. is what's so fascinating because, you know, if, I mean, I cannot have a conversation about grammar with just like an average person without them mentioning proper grammar. And I always want to say, like, what, what is po- proper grammar? Please, like, tell me, what what is it? What is proper grammar? Can anybody tell me that? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can. It's not go. It's it's I. Uh, 
<laughs> Whatever. I was gonna say like the I and the me. Oh yeah. Me. It's like they'll tell me about the importance of proper grammar, arguing with me, and then they'll say, Oh yeah, but my dad's gonna come to the store with Dexter and I. I'm like Right, that's Do you not good. see the irony in what you're talking about here? Because it should be Dexter and me, right? Yeah, that's an object pronoun. Right. Duh. Well, that's what I think <laughs> is so funny is because it's oftentimes individuals who have the most command over a certain set of knowledge that are the least prejudiced around it, you know? So, for instance, you can actually break down a grammatical sentence and analyze and say whether it is quote unquote proper or not right you well, understand you understand the language structure enough. you no i mean i wouldn't say proper though yes i can figure out if a sense is grammatically correct the people in podcast world cannot feel or cannot see my quotation yeah. marks but whenever i said proper like i i don't mean proper as in it actually exists but if yeah. it did actually exist you would be one of the people that could actually diagnose it right what what I think is interesting is that now, if you go to any linguist, I think specifically of uh, McWhorter, right, and you talk to him about this stuff, he's going to have such a vast, vastly different perspective that the word prejudice would probably not come into his mind at all in regards to anything language. Only if you're talking about sociolinguistics. You know, then you're looking at prejudice. Right, right. But I mean... With just language, there's no prejudice. I mean, some languages grammatically are more fun than others. It's almost just <laughs> like to diagram. Right. It's just what it is, though, right? It's just. It just is. The language just is. And then people think that you can prescribe. And if anything, it's, it's fascinating that we can have all these variations of language. How crazy is that? That is pretty crazy. You know, all different kinds of writing systems, all different kinds of sounds, all different kinds of combinations and morphologies. Like, the fact that that can exist is insane and so cool. And it's so wild that we that we uh, re- are so reductive with it. Mm-hmm. It can exist and it can be so cool. But instead of letting it exist and letting it be so cool... We instantly try to reduce it down to proper and improper grammar. Yeah, so that was one thing I was going to say is the idea of grammar books, of studying grammar, didn't even come about until like the late 1800s. Before that, you didn't study grammar. You just spoke. Right. Trying to tell someone that they needed to learn what they already speak wasn't really a thing. Right, that is weird. Yeah, it was just kind of funny. Well, it, it probably came through standardization, like... You had to, I know that a big pusher for public schools in America was that somebody in New York who was doing business needed to be able to do business with somebody in California. Yeah, that's an aspect. And I mean, that that makes sense. Like the utilization of it makes sense. It's like you need a secretary in both places to be able to read and type. Yeah, but you did have or write. scholars who literally just wanted to make the language more like Latin. Right. That I mean that is historical. I mean I'm not I'm not exaggerating there. They wanted to make it more like Latin. So that's where we get a lot of our again arbitrary rules of grammar right. that don't make sense when you're in like 5th grade and you're like why can't we split an infinitive? You know? And then who was it like to boldly go Oh, wait, did they just split an infinitive? 
And I just heard and like understood exactly what they're saying, but somehow that's wrong. That's from Star Trek. But, yeah, I knew space something. But you I know what's remember. interesting is like when you did make the split, it's almost like Yoda talk, right? Like to boldly go where no man's gone before sounds like space, right? It sounds like a different civilization talks like that, right? Well, but you like could you also look at say Yoda and the way Yoda talks, the where he places the different parts of his grammar, it makes him sound like he's from a different place. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, but like another arbitrary one is ending our sentences with prepositions. Uh, who are you going to the store with? It, what's what's wrong? Like, right? <laughs> you know, should I really say with whom are you going to the store? Like, no one actually talks like that. Right. And it's because we, like, English allows for us to do that. Latin did not. Latin, you could not end the sentence in a preposition. Right. So to make English more Latin-y, they said, well, in English, we're not going to do that either. So that's interesting. So I guess we were right with social status, bringing up grammar. It's more of an arbitrary metric. Purely. I mean, anything. I guess, I guess anything let me just say this. Social. I want to clarify because, yes, you can have grammatically incorrect sentences, right? Like, I could say, me go home, or, well, that, I mean, me, it's still wrong. Like, I could say, me go to store. And it, yes, like, we can all acknowledge that that's not really the way English functions. Right. Right? Even though we can understand it, it's not really, that's, that's not what English does. Because English, there are rules to language, natural rules of every language, just like English is subject, verb, object, but right? But like you were saying, it's like the diagnosis is that it doesn't sound like it doesn't flow right. Well, it's just then people put arbitrary standards and arbitrary rules on top of these just like linguistic rules. Mm. So again, like I said, you look at English and English, if you so what linguists do is just study how we speak. Not what the rules are, but like, what what do we naturally say? So again, I can look at English and say, well, English is subject, verb, object, right? I can't say man bite dog and mean that the dog bit the man. I can't, I cannot do that in English. Right. Our rules of language do not allow for that. Right. So there are rules within language and then even like consonant clusters. Every language can only allow for so many. And English actually allows for quite a few, Right. Um, scratch. There's quite a few consonant clusters in there, and not every language can allow for that. Right. So there's things like that that are natural linguistic rules of a language. But then telling people that they can and can't say certain things because it is arbitrarily wrong or looked down upon right. is what I... It's is hierarchically... The, it's hierarchically um, deviated in a way that is not necessarily... It is it is arbitrary. Yeah, so that's so I'm there is at. correct grammar and incorrect grammar relative to what the grammar actually is. Yeah. So, for instance, if I were to just let's say I plop down into a group of black dudes, and I just instantly start trying to fake speaking how they naturally speak, they would all be able to tell that I'm fake speaking how they are trying to speak, right? It would well, sound and a it's, little or like uh, you plop a Swedish dude. Well, that's what I was going to say. It sound, I mean, a lot of ESL people struggle. Like, take prepositions, for example. Those are really hard for ESL students to learn because they're so tricky. And so that's why you hear like foreign language speakers saying things like, I'm going to go at the store today. 
or you know, like where they're just slightly off and they mm-hmm. don't quite understand the difference between at and to. Because like how, I mean, those are hard to explain. Oh, yeah. Um, so there are things like that, that yeah, those just, those are hard to learn. And they come with time. Yeah. I know it's the same way if I try to speak Spanish. Do you have my phone on me? Look yeah, at that. Right I didn't realize it was wrong. I was looking for it earlier and I couldn't even find it. Okay, so... We talked a lot about language and I didn't mean to spend yeah, we'll, that much time we'll roll, on it. We'll roll through this next Just part. Just arbitrary standards. Yeah, arbitrary metrics. Think, Yeah, metrics. Think about that in society and whenever you are... Maybe even judging someone. I'm not even saying that in like a pejorative way, but just if you are judging someone based off of how they look, speak, whatever, are these valid metrics or arbitrary metrics? Right. So imagine the screen time monitor for for, uh, quantifying other aspects of your life. So this is one of the things I thought okay, how could I apply some of this knowledge around metrics to helping me be more present and be a better version of myself, right? And so one of the ones is I was thinking about like kid time, right? So imagine if at the end of the week you sit down and it says, your phone just pops up and says, hey, you paid attention to your kid for this many hours on average each day. And you look at that number would that number be alarming or would you be comfortable with that number, right? So if you look down and it says, hey, you saw your kid for an average of 45 minutes each day. 45 minutes out of 24 hours Mm -hmm. whenever you're working for at least eight hours a day and all you have time. Yeah, it's like, or what if you had a metric for like, you spent this many hours stressing about work. Right, (laughs) right. Or this many hours, um, like you could even say, like, so anyway, kid time. One of the ones I thought I could equate it with because this happens so often at our house is a tickle fight, right? It's like how many hours each day on average did I spend tickling my kids and making them laugh, you know? it's uh, Lately, it's been pretty high. Emmett's been really into the tickle fights lately. Um. But, you know, I, I could probably equate that metric to other aspects of my life. Like, you know, if let's say I could um, uh, graph my depression and not to be like super alarmist about the word depression, right? But I think everybody goes through depression, like to a degree. Yeah, not maybe clinical, not like clinical. Yeah. Not clinical. But, you know, you have times when you're up, times when you're down, right? Yeah. Times when you feel like you're firing on some cylinders and times when you're not firing on any. And so I wonder if there are correlations to things like that. Like, man, I spent uh, an average of three hours a day with my kids this week and I felt great. I felt like I meant something. I felt like I was important and I felt like people needed me, right? For me, I mean, there's, uh, you know, some people don't have kids, so it's different, you know? Well, and I've heard that too with, um, you know, like self-talk where people have said or have read, count how many times you say things like this to yourself. You know, if you're going to say, oh, I look stupid, you know, like actually how much, how many times are you telling yourself that? And then what do you, and then why are you so surprised that you think you look stupid? Yeah. You know, like try to incorporate 10 nice things to yourself or like saying 10 nice things to yourself a day. 
Right. You know, and they even say that with hugging. Try to aim for, what, 10 hugs a day. Because that's supposed to, like, scientifically make Makes you happier. You feel better. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so I actually had one of my bullet points was negative thoughts. Like, imagine if at the end of the week your phone popped up and said, you've spent an average time of 45 minutes a day having negative thoughts about how big your ass is. Or something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or like... Well, and then you... Yeah, and then because of that, you're you're in a more negative frame of mind. Right. And then I, and then I maybe look at my ass and I'm like, man, my ass is so little. Like how could anybody love that ass? <laughs> it is little. I've got a little butt, but you know, <laughs> but you know, it isn't, it would be an interesting metric of like how, how many times a day do you have negative thoughts? And then I thought studying, like you study a lot and I, I, do a form of studying a lot. I don't necessarily think it's that productive. You think but, a lot. Well, no, and I mean, I watch. I've watched like Randall Carlson. Uh, I want. I would like to shout this out real quick. Randall Carlson's uh, Cosmographia. Um, if you ever have like a little bit of a drive, just click on that channel, scroll through, and select just a random video. And it will blow your mind. The dude is uh, a wealth of knowledge. But anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Well, Studying. I mean, maybe this is, <laughs> maybe there's no need to even say this. I was just going to say, I, I don't necessarily think that just watching a video is studying. Yeah, I see that. See, you can't preface a negative statement that you know is going to be negative with, I don't mean for this to sound negative. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> That's like a dead giveaway that you're about to say something really Is that negative, negative though? Uh, no, not negative. Cause I don't know if I would classify it as studying either. I like, mean, I, I do think taking a new information is good. Yeah. I was actually meaning like whenever I wrote down studying, I actually meant like really committing to, uh, to memory thoughts and ideas and truly diving in. I don't think I study. I, I don't know if I've ever studied in my entire life. <laughs> uh, so my number would always be zero. You've studied for you study for an average of negative 30 minutes. <laughs> You've actually muddled the waters more. Oh, you studied a lot for fire academy and things like that. Oh, yeah. Paramedic I studied. Yeah. Some for. But so uh, I thought another interesting thing would be gut health, right? Like if you actually had an app on your phone that popped up and said like, hey, we've analyzed your shit from the entire week. And you got an A plus this week. Your gut is really healthy. Or hey, you get a D minus this week. Your health, your gut is in a really bad state, right? Well, because I, I think right now, I mean, you know my frustrations with the medical system. I oh, guess. Oh, I know everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I take people to the hospital every day, and half of the time I'm taking them, I'm telling them. They're not going to do anything for you. Yeah. So like, if I go to the hospital and say, hey, I'm fatigued and this and this and this and this. And I mean, if they don't just flat out ignore me and say I'm stressed, then they might just simply say, well, here, take this pill. And that's not actually paying attention to my my metrics that my body is is showing me it's just right. covering them up it's covering up the symptoms and mm -hmm. not actually getting to this point of the problem right so then my metrics may still all be the same but i'm just putting band-aid on them right not even a band-aid like not even a band-aid because at least a band-aid keeps out infection and helps something to heal right yeah i mean you're you're almost 
you're almost completely ignoring it. And, and I was thinking that that's interesting because imagine if each day, I know that there's this little device, I should have looked up the name for it before we started, uh, but there's a lot of different health measuring device. I think the one I was thinking of was like Omni or something like that. Anyway, it measures your heart rate variability, it measures your sleep, it measures all these different metrics. And it basically takes all those things, conglomerates them through some algorithm and tells you how recovered you are. So it yeah. will give you a rating of like, hey, your rating today is 60. You need to have, uh, you can get into your yellow heart range, but maybe a, maybe a decent hike or something like that, but no working out today. You need to rest. You need to recover. And then there's other days where we'll say, hey, you're above 90. Hit it as hard as you can. Like hit it harder than you think you can today, right? And so having that metric that's analyzing uh, your 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 actual body, it can actually tell you, it can give you a tool that you can then use, embrace to build up your health versus most of what the doctors do is is they take snapshots, right? They say, well, I want to look at everything that's in your blood right now. I want to look at everything I can see from the outside and maybe do some x-rays. And then from that, I'm going to take that snapshot and fix what's happening to you right now. They're not looking at your past or your future. Well, and I think it goes back to the very beginning when we were talking about the different kinds of fitness and racing and whatnot. Right. What are you wanting to achieve? And so I think if someone comes in and says, well, my goal is just to be healthy and to be able to go walk a mile every day. And then you look at them and if, hey, you're sleeping four hours a night and you're not eating to fuel your body and too much sugar, you maybe you watch too much TV or something. Mm -hmm. Well, then you're giving the wrong output for this input. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and I, like as you were talking, I, I was thinking, you know, different people are all selecting for different metrics. So some people are, you know, selecting for, like I'm selecting for typically, um, like, hey, I've got to do a 24-hour shift. And in that 24-hour shift, I could be working the entire time, right? So what I kind of have to select for is like, how can I make sure that my body can make it through that 24-hour period? Um, some people are selecting for creativity, right? Yeah, some if I want to be my most creative, how do I need to set myself up for that? How do I be my most productive? How am I the... the insert your blank, you know, insert whatever it is that you're wanting. And so, uh, I actually had gut and health as two different topics, but I kind of think that that is kind of the same it thing. It bleeds in. It kind of is the same thing really. Um, because I do think like our medical system is so jacked up on the metrics that it is judging people's health by, you know, it's like, you know, we, um, uh, I don't know. I don't want to talk too much about like different patients, but I see people all the time that they go to the hospital in one state and they come back in the exact same state to basically live the exact same lifestyle until we have to show up and take them to the hospital again for them to, you know, I guess the longevity is that they're just not dying that day. You know? Well, and I think of it with kids too. I mean, I know with Emmett and Callahan and I mean, 
they've had good doctors. I'm, I'm just talking about in general, not any specific doctor. But like in general, you take your kids to a checkup and they say, oh, look, they're gaining weight. They're getting taller. Are they eating? You know, yeah. They, they sleeping? Yeah. Cool. Good to go. All right. Well, my guess calls if anything happens. It's like, uh, you didn't look at his guts or you didn't look at, you didn't look at how happy the kid is. You didn't look at, they, they could look at Well, and at I even, guess I'm even wondering, like, I guess happiness is a bit arbitrary for a doctor to look at. I do get that. But typically they've just asked, like, are they eating healthy? Or, you know, it's like, yeah. Okay, good. It's like, what is healthy? Yeah, healthy you know. Healthy is relative, very <laughs> relative to each person because a big old healthy burger, you know, sometimes is not a very healthy burger. Or a good old healthy burger could be pretty healthy if you're cooking with the right meats, if you're using the right, you know, fresh vegetables and stuff. So, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, another metric that I thought was kind of interesting is like chainsaw time. For me, like if I had at the end of the week, if I like opened up my phone and it said, hey, man, you ran a chainsaw for an hour a day. I think I'd probably be pretty happy that week. You know, it's, it's so fun. basically overall, you're just saying, like, try to think about what people's outputs, desired outputs are and what need what metrics need to happen to fulfill that. I think my main point for today's episode, if I were to like sum it up in a sentence or two, it would be um, define your own metrics. So just be aware that the world will be putting metrics on you and that... Some are real, some life, are arbitrary. Some are real, some are arbitrary. You have to be able to filter, filter them out and don't get bogged down. Don't get bogged down with metrics you don't care about. Well, and also um, start to focus on the metrics you do care about. Yeah. Right. If, if, uh, you know, your life is ending one day at a time. And so if, for instance, for me, it's really big, uh, the kids are so little right now and they're still so little, but they're not going to be this little for much longer. Like it's, it's a, um, it's a fuse that is burning, Mm -hmm. right? It's not going to end. And so right now is the only time in the rest of my, for the rest of my life that I will have these boys at this age, right? So if, if that becomes a metric that I want to select for and make a priority, I have to consciously select because the world is not going to select that for me. Well, the world is actually going to select, is going to select all these other options that take me away from my kids and react. Yeah. Or it's intentionality. It's intentionality, right? I'm just saying it's basically mindfulness, you know, around that, but view it in a, through this like technological um, lens almost like uh, yeah I guess lens would be the well point. and I think of it too like an equation you know what is my overall goal what am I wanting to get on this side of the equal sign right oh well I want time with my kids and I want time to work out and I want you know like these things a million dollars well then that might change the equation right. slightly it does it changes yeah so for me I'd have to put this and this to equal this Someone might say, hey, my goal is to make a million dollars and live comfortably and just have passive income and I don't have to work. Cool. I mean, that's a different equation. It's, uh, it's all about balancing that equation. Yeah. Like you've got to balance these things because like we started off talking about the Spartan race, you can't have everything. You can't, you can't be every type of athlete. You know, you've got to decide, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is my goal. That I've selected for, and we're going to do it. 
Yeah. Oh, I just, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Right, right. Which it's interesting. Which is I, fine. I, was I mean, there's nothing little, wrong I was with doing that. a little bit of writing the other day, and I was kind of writing about the fire service and EMS and stuff, and, and that was the term that kept like kind of coming up. Was just like, man, you're a jack of a lot of trades. I was thinking specifically, uh, I had a, a fairly challenging cardiac call the other day, and it was one of those where until you have one of those challenging cardiac calls, you start to realize like, oh man, I need to be studying that a lot more because it's so, you know, you're a jack of all trades, right? I'm not a cardiologist. But then whenever you get this one call where you really need to be a cardiologist, you know, you're like, golly, I really wish, I really wish I wasn't a jack of all trades at that moment. At that moment, I wish that I was hyper-focused and had only learned this one thing and had it dialed in, you know. So, but anyway, I think, um, what gets the most of you? That was kind of my tagline for the end of the show. It's like, what, what is it that in your life that gets the most of you and that you want to get the most of you? And start breaking it down in your head. Like, one of the, the tools, if you're not happy... Um, right now, or if you're, if you're feeling really challenged, uh, at being the type of person you want to be set, set that goal. Cause one of the things I was thinking is actually with your phone physically have your timer, right? And so like, let's say your goal is that you want to study, set your timer and push go. And what stops, you stop the timer whenever you stop doing what you're doing, right? And, and you could actually keep track of it if you needed to. My, my main thing was start thinking about it with the people you love and start saying, you know what? If I'm with the people I love, I'm going to take my phone and set it to a timer. And the second that I take the timer off to access the internet or to access a social media app or to access even your camera, or change the music or something like that. The second you access that phone, you have to stop that time. Well, that's the, there's a study tip, which I think does relate to this somehow. It's basically saying give yourself less time to study. If you, have, if you say, you know what, I've got five hours, and I'm going to sit and study for these five hours, and I've got to write this paper, you typically, typically, a lot of people end up wasting that time. Where it's like, okay, I'm, I write for 10 minutes and I check my phone or then I go to the bathroom and then I got to come back and then I'm going to do this and then I might talk to someone. Where they said, try giving yourself 30 minutes. Is it called chunking? I have no clue what it's called. I think it's called chunking. That's probably, I mean, it sounds, sounds good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like we think, hey, I think in my head I'm going to have five hours to do this. When in reality, I'm still probably only doing 30 minutes of studying. Right. But if you tell yourself, I only have 30 minutes of studying. That's it. So turn my phone off. Turn. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I, I am sitting down for thirty solid minutes and studying. You oftentimes will get better results of mm. saying, "Well, I have this many hours. Surely I'll get it done in that time." Right. Putting those parameters up. Uh, yeah, I think chunking is the term for that. And, and so it, I think that happens with family too. Like, right. oh, I'll see them every night this week. Oh yeah, well. But then, hey, next thing you know, this comes up, and the next thing you know, this comes up, and then. Well, it's, and I'm I'm real bad about it because I've got literally um, acres of weed eating to do like every day, 
you know, in order to stay on top of it. I mean, it's just like it gets out of control so quickly that there are times wherever I'm working on it and I actually have that feeling or that thought of like, hey, man, the boys are over there inside that house right now and you're out here dragging around a weed eater. Now, granted, there's a balance because I have to get the weed eater. Yeah, I mean. But there's also this like, you know, it's it's kind of, I think in line with the Alchemist book, you know, where it's like the thing you're looking for is literally right there. You're just so in your way and so desperate to find what you're looking for that you're not willing to find, like to see it, even though it's right there, you know. Uh, It's just, I've been thinking about it a lot recently and mostly because... I know I've felt challenged and uh, hemmed up by just time and uh, missed opportunities, you know? And then whenever that screen time uh, reminder pops up and you like sit there and you realize you're like, I was on my phone for six and a half hours. I've got all of these things that I always bitch about not getting done. And not being able to do. And I was on my phone for six and a half hours. You know? Oh, I think, I I know I've told you this before. I'm pretty sure it was Toni Morrison, the author, who, you know, I think she was a single mom, had kids and had to work. And she wanted to write a book. And so in order to write her book, she had to get up at four o'clock every morning to write before she went to work. You know, it's like, so her metric was writing that book and she did it. In a lot, I mean, a lot of people would have said, I just don't mm-hmm. have the time for it. And she didn't either, you know? Yeah, she but made the time for it because she put a whole lot of importance on it. Yeah. You know? So, okay, well, uh, do you have anything else you want to throw in on top of this thing? No, I think that was kind of... Is there anything you want to address the podcast audience about? No. <laughs> Should there be... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe like you could address them and say, um, you know, read this linguistic book or something, you know, or uh, once you have your YouTube channel, that's what I want. I want you to do a YouTube channel. We'll get there. Maybe we'll see. Anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. If you're still listening at this point in the recording uh, in the episode, if you will please tell a friend and say, hey, this is like one of the most amazing podcasts that literally nobody is listening to. <laughs> uh, you could say uh, you should listen to it, and that would be real cool, and we would, uh, we would appreciate it. So, uh, also on uh, my website, I think I'm going to dig out those hats and shirts. Yeah, I still got a bunch of Panel Primate hats and shirts left, so I'm going to they're vintage. They're vintage at the <laughs> moment. So I'm going to do a little run of trying to get those things sold uh, for a reasonable price. So it's Maybe talk, price. Let's talk about some discounts. So anyway, thank y'all for listening. And uh, until next time, peace.